Welcome to Rethink, the Financial Advisor Podcast. My name is Adam Holtz. And this is Derek Notman. We are your hosts, both veteran advisors and fintech CEOs who challenge the status quo, question everything, and have fun doing it. Hear honest commentary on the challenges facing advisors today. And be part of a community where we can all rethink the profession. Now on to our episode. Adam, do you use data to support your investments? You mean my investment recommendations to clients? Yes. It could be something else. It could be what about investments in your practice? Do you huh. use data? I definitely use data to make better, more informed investment recommendations for both buy and sell side strategy. But I don't know if I use data for your second question. What do you mean? Well, most people listening to this podcast, you're right. We do use historical performance. We read a prospectus. We look at different data sheets provided by a vendor, star ratings, the list goes on when we're you know trying to make a recommendation on a product, investment, whatever. So shouldn't we be doing the same type of thing when we are trying to build, scale, grow our practices? I, I tell you, I didn't. When I started, I didn't have any data. Like I got to make so many dials a week to get so many people in. That's about all the data I knew. So I, I got to get these conversion ratios here. But we have so much more data available to us these days. Shouldn't we be using that data to help decide how we want to build and grow our practice? Well, it's a really interesting question because I think so many have built our practices based upon what I think we personally wanted to experience if we were a customer of ourselves. For those of us that have gone independent or branded ourselves, we, we certainly have an opinion about what a good and valued customer experience of advice delivery would look like, and we just designed it and built it. It's funny how similar it is to each other, ironically. It's a very similar advice journey uh, and therefore business practice or value proposition. But it's an interesting question around data. I'm wondering how we can frame this for everybody. Well, what's a term that all advisors or most advisors know? Alpha. Hmm. Beta. We, we talk about <laughs> alpha, beta. We talk about how to add that to an investment portfolio. Well, how do you add alpha to your practice, to a client experience? Hmm. That might make sense. You know, what does the future of advice look like and how do we capitalize on that? I think is really important to consider as well. And then what is the role of technology in all this? Very, very true. It's a great segue into our guest today because the topics of our intentional practice development and also using the principles that we all know from an investment strategy is to use terms that we already understand. And what's interesting about it, we all picked up an article that was written in Barron's by Craig Martin who wrote Why Extreme Client Engagement is the New Alpha, came out in August of 2023. And what really caught our eyes here and why we reached out to Craig to find out what is he talking about, we discovered some enormous amount of data. So what this is going to be really fun because we're going to share with you today a bunch of the data that he has on practice management, which should indicate to you why you need to be thoughtful of the investments you're making in the client experience. Now, if you're not familiar with Craig, Craig is currently the Executive Managing Director, Global Head of Wealth and Lending Intelligence at J.D. Power, their wealth How cool management. is that? Like, I thought they did cars. 
I did, that's what I thought they did, right? Everybody's got these great ratings on cars. I want one of those circle plaques that I can have. Oh, we got to get them to get us one of those. <laughs> yeah, can you just get us one? You don't. Do you have to do anything for that? I don't know. We'll figure that out you later. Build a car. <laughs> well, no, all all joking aside, Greg has actually been in JD for eleven and a half years doing research in this space. And there's an interesting insight that we got into it because for the last 20 years, J.D. Power has been doing research on the retail investor segment. And this is really different than what data we typically see, which is always about from the advisor experience, right? Advisors do this, advisors do that, manage your practice, use a CRM, use this tech bundle. What about the investor experience who's working with a financial advisor? So this was really interesting, and I hope you guys listen to what he has to say, because there's some great insights here. And of course, we'll do our traditional wrap-up of what you can do in your practice today. You ready to hear from Craig? Let's do it, Am. I, I want to hear what this guy has to say. Craig, thanks uh, again for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. What is your unique perspective of the financial advice, financial services, wealth management market? Yeah, we did a piece recently, and we talked about extreme client engagement as being the new alpha. And I think that this idea of traditionally financial advisors really focused on financial performance. And, and if you think about the traditional definition of alpha, it's, it's differentiation from a benchmark and, and beating a benchmark. And what we're seeing is more and more, again, what a financial advisor do with their client is really evolving. It's not just about picking stocks, just not about constructing a portfolio. So you've got to have this evolution. That that next level of differentiation in the marketplace is going to come from client experience and how you engage. And that is kind of a broad term. But I, the, the challenge right now, I think underneath that is the old model is getting commoditized. It's not that it's bad service, but it, again, there's a lack of differentiation. And that's kind of the whole point was, as we look at the market performance tracks as it goes up, goes down, generally that drives customer satisfaction. So if I look at my portfolio and I look at my holdings and they're going up and I have more money, I'm happier. But if I'm going down, I'm less happy. And then I start to look at you as my advisor and go, hey, what's wrong with you? What'd you do wrong? And so this, the decoupling of that or how do you control for that is really that critical differentiation in the future for the market. I find that fascinating. And without getting into the weeds too much, Craig, how many people did you survey. You said extreme client engagement is the new alpha. I think that, I mean, that's a mic drop in itself, but yeah. Can you allude a little bit at all to like the sample size of what you guys did to back this up? Because I, it sounds really compelling. Yeah. So we, in a given year, we are going to talk to, we we start off at the front line. I kind of described, we have this broader kind of wealth platform and we break apart those with an advisor or say they work with an advisor and those that don't. Uh, each year, we're collecting somewhere in the range of 4,000 to 6,000 responses from people who have an advisor. And now we're, we've actually moved into a continuous fielding. So uh, in aggregate, we're talking probably 20,000 folks now, it, just for the last couple of years that we've talked to that where we've done this analysis from 21 to 20, but now 24, we're, we're partway into this year's fielding. Yeah. And so about 20,000 people that we're talking to who have advisors, and that's kind of coming out of that research. Amazing. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. You know, given the fact that you've talked to so many advisors and institutions, what do you think the missing opportunity is that they're just not addressing? Yeah, I, I think the the missing opportunity, what they're not addressing is this kind of evolving advisor situation. 
uh, and, and relationship situation. I think that the challenge is people are used to delivering what they know and they're incentivized to deliver that core piece of the puzzle. I mean, you got to make money. I mean, the, the business is there and, and part of that is, is how, how we're engaging the client. But I think the problem is increasingly consumers are starting to question, what am I getting out of this? And, and especially in down markets, I use an example of my father. He recently, after the last kind of downturn, was talking to me about his advisor and he said, you know, he's okay. He's a nice guy. You know, we met once a year and he tells me portfolio. But during that conversation, he told me he's going to have to charge me more money because we weren't paying enough. And my dad's going, so let me get this straight. My portfolio went down and I lost 20% of my net worth. And now you want to charge me more money. And I just paid you all this money for this past year to do badly. Explain to me why I should continue to have this relationship. And, you know, frankly, my dad's probably not going to change. But when my dad tells me this, that changes my behavior in the future. So what What's going to happen when eventually there is that transfer of assets? When I become that next level, you know, potential customer, I'm going to reconsider what's the value. And that's being able to demonstrate and clearly communicate the value is a challenge, I think, for advisors. What are you providing your customer? And, and I think we are seeing this more and more, you know, and I won't go into all the different variations on it, but you guys have spoken about it a lot, which is, you know, you got a regulatory environment, you have fee models, you've got the role of technology and how asset managers distribute you know, funds and how they charge and all these things that come into play that really the customer doesn't understand and they don't necessarily want to understand. But at some point, you have to be able to explain something to the customer. What's the value exchange? And I think that's the real core challenge is what is your value to the customer? What true services are you providing them? And then how do you deliver on that? Because I think that's the both what is the promise? I mean, our, our studies at the heart of perception studies. And what we're finding is a lot of customers don't perceive the value there. They're not getting these kind of critical outcomes in their minds that are really important because if you're lacking in that, that's where the failure really comes in. I mean, there's a number of missed opportunities or challenges that I think are headwinds for advisors, clearly from what you just said. So for advisors or, or even a larger organization listening right now, what would be one or two things you could say, hey, listen, here's something you can do in the next 24 hours or next month to help combat some of this and, and show your value, you know, or whatever it may be? Yeah, I mean, I think one is take a hard look at how you're communicating with customers. I mean, one of the most vital pieces of the puzzle that I think is missing, it's not that the, the advisor's not doing a good job, they're not working hard, they're not trying to deliver value. But their communication with the customer really is challenged. I, I looked at kind of a special kind of subset of metrics uh, kind of in, in prep of this. There, there's three that stood out to me. One is, do you have a good understanding of my financial goals and needs? So do, do they believe that their advisor understands what they want and what they're really trying to get out of it? Um, when they make recommendations, are they in my best interest? And do they explain things in terms I understand? And I think too often advisors you probably are doing things in their best interest. I mean, that's kind of a, a regulatory requirement, but how do you communicate things in a way that the customer gets? So you show I'm listening. I heard what you're trying to accomplish and here's a solution that meets those needs so that you're really closing that loop because I think too often it's, here's a product. And, and my mom was a nurse for years and years and years. And to this day, 
she talks to me in medical terms. And I'm like, I love you, mom, but I have no idea what you just told me. And it's just same thing. I think any professional who's an expert wants to demonstrate expertise and they do that in many ways. They think they're doing it by saying big words and, and communicating things at very advanced levels. The consumer doesn't know or care in many cases. So changing your communication style, being aware, even just starting by going, what am I telling them and why am I telling them this? Not who's getting the benefit. Is it the, the consumer or is it for the advisor to feel like they're showing value by saying, I'm really smart, see the fancy words and technical terms I use? Yeah, we can relate to that one. It's interesting. My coach for many years used to share with me, he said, the consultative process comes down to proving to the customer that you, number one, know me, know my client. Number two, you know their situation. And number three, that you know their options based upon number one and number two. And if you can't prove those three, you really actually don't have a consultative experience. And I think what you're really just saying is, is you're supporting that idea. We're curious, you know, is there anything else you think that the community really needs to start debating or needs to hear about? So I think the one other thing that is really important for everyone is to understand that technology is your friend. And I know everyone gets technology is important, but one of the things that we've looked at uh, is a key question around, does the advisor educate and inform the customer about technology's role and how it can be used as part of the relationship? And when they do that effectively, that customer is much more likely to be an advocate and loyal. And I think for, for a while, people have feared technology as a replacement. And, and all the data that we see clearly demonstrates that the customer, especially in situations where the stakes are high, they are looking for more advice, not less, more human interaction, but it's got to be the right kind. And see, to be able to effectively kind of evolve your model so that you can deliver that true value add, and so they see the value and benefit, you're going to have to incorporate more technology. And I think that's the, the key piece is we're seeing a lot of customers aren't getting that education. And, and again, see the ability to see their role, not just as the financial advice piece, but showing them how do we work together. And part of that's using technology and, and the, the tools and capabilities you have yeah, available to you. Well, there you have it, Derek. What do you think about what Craig had to say? It's thought-provoking, no doubt, but part of it is just awesome validation for what you and I have been already talking about with a lot of our guests over the last year. It's it's one thing for us to speculate as we talk about our own experiences, but he's backing it all up with data. Real data that he and his team and JD Power have been doing for 20 years. Yeah. What's funny is I, I keep almost every conversation I have now, whether it's like an advisor or like a fintech or something like that, I'm like, hey, do you know that JD Power has? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? I'm like, here, you got to go check them out. They have that car research, right? They have the Yeah, they're like, what do you mean? I don't want to know about cars. I'm like, no, dude, <laughs> it's not cars at all. That's right. Not only cars. How about that? Not only you know, cars. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, you know, he did a great job of summarizing the data he has privy to in the wealth management space, right? Over the last 11 years, as he told us that, that he's been working with J.D. Power in the wealth management division, I was also surprised at how much data they have. And they've been surveying customers, especially the wirehouses for many years. So they got a lot of stock data and stock broker data, if you will, uh, investment advisor analysis. And, and there was some interesting stuff that he shared with us personally based upon work that he had done in 2023 that I thought 
probably our community of listeners wanted to hear about. And it goes back to something that you and I and Craig did at Advice Tech Live this year, which talked about advice experience and the net promoter score, or basically the satisfaction of the kind of advice that you receive. Why don't you share with everybody this idea that kind of touches on our one, two, and 3.0 advice? Yeah, this this has been a fun idea that's evolved. Uh, I think it, it initially started for us with Mike LaCour's when we had him on. It was one of the early 50 episodes. And we've had this, this whole transition from 1.0 to 2.0, now 3.0 financial advice. What's happening is that 1.0 is your traditional transactional type of relationship. And a lot of advisors were doing it, but the the satisfaction or net promoter score is pretty low from mm. the consumer side. And what's interesting is that the, the NPS, the net promoter score, almost doubles when an advisor starts using 2.0 and then almost triples when you get to 3.0. But I think what we've learned here is that making it from 2.0 3.0 is difficult because now you're going so deep. Mm. But the main takeaway is like, the client feels better and, and likes what's happening when the advisor is more and more comprehensive with the type of advice that they're giving. Very true. Well, the, it's interesting because the data that Craig shared with us from that research of the 1, 2, and 3.0 as a moving, as you've already said, more towards a comprehensive approach. So can, can we go past 2.0, which is the typical financial planning as a sales enablement process? to true comprehensive holistic advice, which I know terms that get thrown around a lot. The interesting challenge is that the data showed that nine out of 10 people are consumers who have advisors are saying they're getting transactional or financial planning only advice or goal-based advice. They're not getting comprehensive. Only one out of 10 people are actually claiming to get this high net promoter score style advice. Uh, and and that's not a surprise, I think, to us because typically only high net worth clients are expecting and are willing to pay for a real deep customer experience, but we are seeing new technology that continues to just infiltrate our financial advice marketplace that is enabling more financial planning advisors to go deep and holistic and even collaborative with multidisciplinary professionals like tax and legal, yeah. like banking and PNC yeah. or insurance and investment. So we are seeing this definite move or interest in using tech to scale out what we call comprehensive or 3.0 advice. And I think that's really going to be important. What were some of the other things that you heard from the data he shared with us privately that this community wants to know about? Well, you and I have talked about this for a while. Heck, we were really early to this party when we started going much more virtual and digital. That's true. A long time ago, man, when I had less gray hair, that's for darn sure. You've always had gray hair. What are you talking about? I thought <laughs> I you were born, born with white hair. I was born with a gray beard. <laughs> are you serious? A gray beard? <laughs> I don't know, man. You're an old way soul. It. Old soul, man. Yeah, I'm 182 right now. That's right. Anyways. In dog years, yeah. In dog <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, all kidding aside, though, it's really been interesting. It's one of the things he shared with us is that as you move from the boomer to the Gen X to the Gen Y, Z generations, you're seeing this massive shift of preference from human to digital interactions. Mm. And there's still a lot of human preference when it comes to certain things like advice and planning, but the digital experience is augmenting that because now you can get a human experience via a digital medium, which is super interesting. And one of the things was like, 
the money's we, we've been talking about this for what five ten years these trillions of dollars that are moving from generation to generation mm-hmm. the younger generations just like the example he gave with his dad yeah right they're expecting a different experience a different way to interact and um it's happening so we have to listen to that i mean his data we're looking at it right now shows us where the puck is headed that's true. And we'll make this data available through some of the show notes that we have in this session. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things I thought was really kind of interesting is is how all three generations, boomers, X, and YZ, if you will, we bundled them, or he did for the data, did, as you said, prefer human advice for the most part. For the most part. Right. But there's definitely a mashup here. And, and you've got to think of, well, what's the next generation beyond that going to think about? The trend says that they're going to want more digital than human experience. But what's important is that the human is not completely absent in, in any of these things. Right. There is a human component. If you get the chance to look at the data, even for the Gen YZ that are still looking for a human to give them guidance because we're wired for that. That's like we're wired for sound. We're wired for human engagement. Exactly. Let's jump into some of the points that he made. I thought there was some really interesting, you, you called it a mic drop early on. He said extreme client engagement is the new alpha, which is actually how we met him through the article in Barron's that I think started this. What do you think about that statement? I love it. If you were to try to sum up how does an advisor differentiate themselves when we all have essentially access to the same tech stacks these days? It's engagement. It's extreme client engagement. It's going deep in the conversations with their clients and understanding the meaning behind their money and what they're trying to accomplish and showing them that, showing them that we understand that and that we're going deep and that we're engaging and making it a a conversation where we're on the same side of the table instead of trying to pitch something. So I, I love that. And what's so cool about it is each advisor will do things a little bit different because we're all different mm. So you can lean into this new advisor alpha all day long and never have to worry about the competition. That's interesting. You know, you really can't measure or give a benchmark to advise experience, right? When you think about benchmarking beta and alpha, it's typically around something we all agree around. Now, what would be the beta? What is the marketplace of financial advice? That would be, uh, I did some fact finding. I did some analysis. I gave you a big financial plan. I told you what to buy. You bought it. See you in a year. Crickets. That would, <laughs> right, that's got to be beta. Next, please. Next. Well, that's beta for a 2.0 experience, which is, you know, 50% of the marketplace is getting that experience. Yep. But that's the beta. So really for a customer experience, you don't have to add that much alpha in order to stand out. You really don't. And that's the interesting thing here is that I think what you're, you're right, that, that, the level of customer experience from the simple things like when they walk in, I have their drink or beverage available to, I actually thought about the fact that their kids can now get insight into mom and dad's portfolio episodically when we want to have a family meeting. Like, wow, blow your mind. There's some really interesting, I think, technologies that are coming out and also experiences that advisors can adopt here. Well, I think so. And we can, when we leverage tech to do the mundane things, it allows our brains to focus more on the human side of what we do. Mm. And I'll give you an example. I was just meeting with a client recently for a review and she was asking about one particular investment account that she inherited from her husband who passed away recently, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And because I knew them and had gone deep with the conversations, I was able to ask what companies was your husband interested in investing in? Where is that list? Because he loved researching and all of that kind of stuff. Let's find that and think about it. And you could just see her eyes 
light up. Hey, Derek knows me, knows what's important Mm. to me. That's advice engagement, right? It's not just, you know, showing you here's your rate of return for the last six months. That's a great point, right? So I guess the client feels engaged. It feels genuine. It feels authentic. It feels honest. You listened to her and to him from years ago and you're bringing it back to the table. Exactly. It just builds relationship currency. And that makes a lot of sense. I love that. You know, we've heard a lot about this commoditization of traditional financial services. I think it goes hand in hand because the old investment model of, uh, you know, of adding value through portfolio management, I think is getting, we'll call it diminished perhaps. It's interesting that he has data that's supporting this. What do you think? It is, it is really interesting. I, I'm, I'm a little not surprised though. You and I are both still advisors and we have, we talk with clients and the whole, uh, how much money have you made me ROI rate of return, blah, blah, blah stuff. Isn't as much of a conversation centerpiece as maybe as it once used to be. It's about what's this money for? How are you feeling around the economy and your financial situation? Are you doing okay? Is your portfolio invested in a way to help you do the things that you need to do? And we know that clients feel better when the market goes up, as you're showing right here, which is a great piece. But what happens when the markets aren't going up and their rate of return isn't great? How are they feeling? What are you talking to them about? Well, you should share more about this. You're showing something else here between 1, 2, and 3.0 advice. What, what are you looking at here right now? Well, I, I think the data that he shared with us was interesting because what it showed is a historical trend of the S&P 500. So in your mind's eye, you can probably imagine since 2004 to 2020 or so that the stock market obviously has grown with a couple of blips in there in 2008. And what they did is they overlaid overall satisfaction scores of the advisor experience with the S&P. And you can see it basically follows it, right? So the, as the market yeah. is up, Overall satisfaction is up. When the market's down, can we imagine what happens? Satisfaction is down. In fact, what's interesting is that we've never been at a higher overall satisfaction score than we were in 2020, kind of the high of this market. But what's interesting about it is the data that he shared with Derek and I, which was that comprehensive experiences as defined by the client saying, I receive a comprehensive 3.0 experience actually had the highest satisfaction scores of all the experiences, even when market performance was down. So what's, what is really endemic there is that a client who feels heard, who feels like they have multidisciplinary holistic experiences where the client's advisor's roles are intertwined, is clearly best interest relationship, yep. is that even when the performance is down, they have even higher scores. And that's a real eye-opener because it should be pushing all of us to help our clients understand that we're really with them, even though the markets are down. And that comes down to communication. I don't know if there's any other way to say it. You know, you you remind me of back of 2008. I remember hearing about this advisor who, when the markets were crashing, he was joking about how he just wouldn't return emails or phone calls for six months. (laughs) See what happens. That's like the opposite (laughs) of don't do that, but that's the opposite of what you should be doing. (laughs) You know what? I guess it really probably worked for a lot of advisors, right? Put the head in the sand and just the markets will come back eventually. And so will the clients, I guess. Uh, Right. Dude, if that happens now, I don't think it's going to be the same thing. I think the clients are going to be like, wait a minute, you weren't around when things really sucked and you don't really ever listen to me. Why am I giving you my business? Well, that's that's what happens, right? Didn't he say that about his dad, right? His dad is questioning why I'm paying 1% when you're down 20%. 
right? And you're saying I got to pay more now to keep up what to you because you want to raise planning fees. So it, we we take it for granted that we're so busy and we're doing all this work and we add this great value. And he brought it up in two different ways. He said that advisors tend to, I think, just sell their own porridge. Like, oh, I got the greatest stuff. I'm doing all this great work for you. Let me explain it and complicate it. And I'm adding all this value. And then we were surprised when the client, number one, didn't understand what the heck we talked about. And number <laughs> two is focused on the fact that all I hear is that I paid you 1% on my million. That means I'm paying you 10 grand and you underperformed. Oh, and by the way, I'm still don't understand the jargon because yeah, you think you're so smart, but I've lost money and I, I don't understand why you don't feel that pain with me. And, and when we take it down to the true consumerism, the clients don't know how to value what you're valuing in your head. And when they just see the loss, it, it, you have to communicate. You really do. And I, I think this is where it's, it's almost kind of combines two points that he made in that the role of technology, the way I look at it, and I'm really having a lot of fun as I'm digging into this with AI for, for Coupler in that we can use AI for so many mundane tasks and things that need to get done behind the scenes. And when we do that and we explain to the, the customer, like, hey, we're using these different technology solutions to do X, Y, and Z, which means I can get to know you better and help yeah. you do the things we need to do and help understand you and help walk you through things. Now yeah. we're meeting these changing consumer expectations and dynamics that have definitely evolved you know, as things have changed here in the last 10, 15 years. No question about it. Well, let's talk about what advisors can actually do, right? Because now we got to turn this into real actions here. What's, what's the first thing you think that advisors can take action on? Take a step back. What is the true value of what you do? Yeah, and how you do it. And, and then how are you delivering on that to your clients? Because I think when we don't know how to articulate our value slash services, as he puts it, this is where failure happens. Mm. And a good barometer is, hey, does the next generation want to work with me? Is my client introducing me to our kids? Or are they kind of keeping that all closed off because, you know, they don't really trust me completely? Right. Oh, that's a good test. So you're saying, let's let's just do a proverbial financial plan here and literally knock you off the client. Now, are those clients' kids staying with me? Yeah. Think about right it. Right now. Just yeah. let's let's just do, go th run through the fire drill right now. Run are those it. kids staying with you? I guarantee you that a very large percentage are not staying with you. I would tend to agree. I mean, look at the data from Craig. If you're doing this analysis on your yourself, what's your tech stack look like? Do the kids want to look at your metal filing cabinets as you get your yellow pad out? <laughs> on your mahogany desk. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know. And I was that guy, all right? I used to yeah, do that. So I, know. I get it. Um, yeah. I, think I don't know if I really want to work with grandpa's advisor. It's <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I'm not going to be able to see anything online. I don't even know. I got no aggregation. I got no, right. So it's a really interesting thing. It's not just about tech, though. You're right. I mean, it's about customer experience. And, and you have to prove, as Craig said, that you're doing the communication. One of the things I, I really liked in this kind of second takeaway and action you take is show clients that you listened. He said that. Show clients. Of course, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's what we do. That's what an asset map is. It's I'm showing you. Here's your stuff. I'll give it back to you in a digestible form. But if you don't do that, you can't confirm their their proof need to know that you are on their team because you know what their concerns and their issues are and what they're dealing with. So that's that's an important aspect. I think every 
advisor who's listening right now needs to prove to the client that they listened to the client and they have now given back their life to them in some consumable form. Big, big deal. You know, I would almost call it like advisor context. Mm. Like here's this beautiful asset map. We know where everything is. We know why it's there. But now as the advisor, you know, I'm looking at this retirement account or this life insurance policy and I can go deeper and be like, we know this is here to do X for little Johnny when he turns 18. Mm. And we know this is important to you because of this. So now that, that that document, whatever you use, becomes more of a living document almost because you've added that human context and value that they need. Because if they don't get that from you, they don't feel like you're listening to them. I mean, how are you really so showing them? I think we, you just really touched on something really important. We need to add a statement of intentionality around every single financial instrument that's in that financial closet. We need to know and be clear why this exists. And nothing stops us from actually adding those notes. But I think that's really clear. I don't think clients always understand what the intention is and why it deserves to be on our balance sheet. One so, of the things I always love to do, to your point here, Adam, with my financial plans, is I would have I would add two separate pages I customized each plan. One was a hopes, dreams, and goals page. Here are the Good. things I heard you tell me that are extremely important. Bullet point, very specific. Next page. Here are the action steps and the things we are going to help you do to achieve the things on the page before. We really connect those dots for them. And they just, mm. it worked. It worked. People are like, oh, it's great. This great guy stuff. isn't talking about some crazy lingo. Like, I understand what's actually happening here now. I'm buying life insurance for this goal over here. I'm saving money up every month for this goal over here, right? Connect yeah. it. Love it. That's great. What else did you take away? What, are, what can advisors put in action right away? So there's lots of great tech engagement solutions out there we can use, a long, a long list to really do all the things we're talking about. But I, what I really liked is that whether you have tech or you're bringing on new tech or you're going to change tech, tell your clients why. Tell your clients the role of that mm. technology in your client advisor relationship. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I am using asset because of this. Right. So really help them understand that. So they're like, oh, so Derek is not only an advisor that understands us and what we need and helping us do all this stuff, but he's using these really cool tech solutions to help articulate and solve and get jobs done. Now I understand how all this fits. So when I get Derek, I get all of this stuff. That's cool. Wow. You know what I just realized when you said that? We used to do that in the early days when a new person of our relationship would walk into our office, we would walk them around the office and we would introduce them to the people who Love they it. don't even know. There's no reason why they need to meet our, our underwriter and our this, but there was a very strategic reason we did it. Number one, we humanize the org, right? By showing them that it's not just me in a little cubby hole. And number two, <laughs> well, maybe it might've been, but number two, it also showed our depth of capability and investment in their experience for when they had those needs, we had the team. Yes. What stops us today from literally showing an org chart of the technology that we're using to deliver on a client experience? I guarantee you it would be like 15 to 20 names of softwares and people connected to it to actually deliver it at scale. Make it part of your onboarding process. Wow, this looks complicated and thoughtful. Yeah. yeah. Look at what these people are investing in all this stuff. I don't have to buy. And they're buying institutional grade software and technology and connecting it all together. That's an interesting 
value add? Because one of the things we're all struggling here is how do you increase that overall advisor experience to get off beta one, right? The, the banal experience. Let me show you what I'm investing in that is all just so you know it's behind the scenes and I'm paying for it. That's why I need to charge you because I got to pay for this huge tech stack. <laughs> yeah, this stuff doesn't come for free, right? No. <laughs> Right. But other than that, whether the client thinks that they're paying for what, you know, like an asset allocation in an index fund, like, yeah. Show them so, the stuff you're doing behind the scenes. Show, show them, them how it adds value. Love it. Yep. There you go. That's, that's a, a great, great idea. I think we almost need to leave it. Like that's, that's it. If you're listening, that go do really that cool. right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I think with that, we have to wrap up. I mean, first of all, thank you, Craig, and all the work you're doing and your team there at JD Power. We know that's some really exciting because we found a new source of data that's got a lot of confidence on it. So we, we really appreciate this. And of course, we want to remind everybody, whatever you just heard right now, figure out how you're going to put it in motion in your own practice or tell a friend by sharing this episode with them and hopefully giving them value. What else do our friends need to do, Derek? Well, if they're listening to this on their phone, they need to text this episode to one of their friends right now on their phone. There Get you go. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Obviously, follow us on LinkedIn. That's where we talk about all sorts of great stuff, including dad jokes. And of course, we'll always take the nice, kind review if you want to give us one um, and submit questions. We love getting feedback and questions from our advisor audience. So if there's something you want us to talk about, tell us. We're here. Absolutely. We look forward to having a conversation with you. And of course, please remember to contribute, find ways to actually ask us questions. We appreciate that. Derek, my friend, always good to see you. Good seeing you, brother. Till next time. Thank you for listening to Rethink, the financial advisor podcast with Holt and Notman. Be sure to subscribe now and join the ongoing conversation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Asset Map or Connector. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.